Hi, Jason. It's great to see you here. I really appreciate you chatting with me today. Yeah, no problem, Teresa. Thanks for hosting us. I appreciate the opportunity. I'm excited about our conversation today. So the first thing I want to do is look at some important trends. Now, we're obviously living in a digital age, and more industrial firms are depending on smart technologies. Clearly, data is everything. So across the industries that Anderson Hauser provides instrumentation and technology to, what trends have you seen that are influencing the increasing demand for digital transformation? Yeah, so digital transformation is kind of a, a big topic, maybe in some cases a buzzword. It can also be a little bit vague or, or abstract, but um, I think we see digital transformation um, applying to process. So process being kind of data and analytics, more or less what you said. But we also see different forms of digital transformation. So things like business models or production models. So kind of think services and just integration of service to service, cloud to cloud, uh, B2B, almost, you know, in some cases, kind of a paradox versus in the past, the more you might be willing to share or strategically and securely share, you know, do you have an opportunity to create a competitive advantage for yourself and, and your partners? There's a, there's a little bit, I think, with digital transformation that's kind of culture as well. You know, so it's in some cases uh, problem solving, optimization of the business. So, you know, for us here at Anderson Hauser, you know, that's in some cases a little bit more internally focused versus some of our external activities. You know, we don't necessarily think of digital transformation as, as something that's going to change the domain, um, the, you know, what Anderson Hauser is known for. So you, you basically said it, you know, we provide instrumentation and services. So, you know, while digital transformation is wildly important, it's not necessarily going to change what we do as a company, but more so it's going to have a strong influence on how we do what we do. Um, so, so more or less to kind of augment our, our core business. It's no doubt, you know, changing the markets we play in. And um, that's absolutely just visible with, with our customers' expectations and, and some of the things they're asking us to do now that maybe didn't happen over the last 25 years that I've been with associated with Anderson Hauser. It's interesting that you mentioned the culture because when we talk about digital transformation, it's usually just the technology, the AI and the, the data analytics, et cetera. So the culture, that's an interesting angle too. So yeah. in many cases, digital transformation isn't an option anymore. Companies just have to do it. They have to use smart technologies that are connected. So can you give me an overview of some of the downsides of what happens when manufacturing plant leader doesn't take smart connected technology into consideration? Sure. Um, again, I think it's a little bit of, a, of one of those topics I can see both ways. So in, in some respects, terms like connected and OT and cloud, you know, they represent a change, right? So just, you know, many people would, uh, I think, just in the nature of itself, change can be kind of a scary things. You know, there are certainly cu cultural classes, clashes. You can hear that even within our own IT group. My IT won't allow it. My, my company won't allow it. You know, in reality, I think we're hard pressed, you know, to find uh, businesses now that don't use cloud technology in some form or another. You know, as simple as uh, the the vehicle we're, we're using and leveraging right now for, for this uh, interaction. You know, I think in many cases, I, I, I don't know, I, uh, I think about a lot of this book I read once. So it was uh, Donald Miller's story brand. 
So not exactly a technology book, certainly not a manufacturing book, but some good lessons, right? And, you know, there's one section in there that speaks to what's the common, most commonly asked question at Disney, at a Disney park, something to that effect. And in reality, you know, everybody's thinking bathrooms, where's the bathroom? You know, how do I park? What's the shortest ride line? But in reality, it's what time is the four o'clock parade? <laughs> and you have to step back and think about that, you know, and I, sometimes I think about that of, you know, um, oh, our company doesn't use clouds or, oh, my IT group doesn't allow that. Um, and it's similar, you know, like what time is this four o'clock parade? And, and it's not really, you know, I think what they're asking, you know, what time is the four o'clock parade? Um, you know, there's something deeper there. And maybe, you know, if we, if we just step back and think about it, um, you know, I've been to Disney. I assume you've been to Disney. You're well aware of Disney, right? So, you know, in this case, you know, the the author goes on to, to talk a lot about, you know, what the, the person's really asking for is help. Right. So, you, you know, I, uh, I spent what I spent on a Disney vacation. And at this moment in time, is that parade going to pass through here? Because I've got a couple little kids pulling on me and I am going to look like the biggest failure if they don't see Mickey. So I know there's a parade at four o'clock, but here's where I am on this incredibly large property. Can you help me? You know, so I think about that, you know, sometimes in this, um, you know, when a customer, uh, an existing customer or a future customer says, oh, you know, we just, we're, we're not going to do cloud. Um, my IT group won't allow it. You know, I, I kind of think about that and say, you know, have we just not really listened well enough? Have we not presented the right value? Um, you know, are they really asking them not to fail? Um, how are we uh, are we capable of digging out here? You know what uh, possible concerns or or business problems or operational problems they have, and are we able to address them uh, beyond the just another company talking about cloud and throwing out buzzwords? And you know the easiest thing for me to do is just say, oh, we're not, we're not doing that right now. So you know I think a lot about that. You know with with respect to to digital transformation, and in some cases I, I really don't treat it like any other product or platform platform. But in some cases, you, you got to do your homework. You got to put yourself in the customer's position and understand, I think, to that point, a little bit about the culture you're dealing with, because every company is a little bit different, not only in, in the business they're in, but also the boundaries and rules with which they play in to, to adopt, you know, uh, in some cases, a very intimate partner when you consider integrating now their business processes with our data and, and how might our data influence some of the decisions they make about their own operation. And that kind of leads, you know, I, I think a lot to trust, right? So we've, we've been in this market for 70 years and ideally we've, we've built a lot of trust with our customers so that they can, uh, you know, at least believe that Anderson Hauser is, is going to do, do right by them with respect to policies and security and, and all the things that a, a mature company that's been in seven, business for 70 years should, should consider before we just uh, pitch a cloud. That's an interesting perspective because what you're talking about is not just selling them something, but helping them see the value stream of using smart technology in a way that helps them. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think part of that as well, um, you know, I, I think you would respect what, what I'm trying to insinuate here. We are a business, you know, it doesn't do us any good to sell a product uh, that doesn't work for a customer. You know, likewise with the, with the you know, concept of connected services and, and cloud and software and platforms, you know, we don't necessarily want people to buy our service and then decide six months, eight months, a year into it that they're not getting value out of it. You know, and I, I think that's a, another healthy way, responsible way to look at, you know, what, we're, what it is we're trying to bring to the market to support our core business. 
So let's say I'm a plant manager. And what if I think, am I behind in digital transformation? Is there such a thing as being behind? Should I compare myself to my competitors? How should I consider myself in my standing with digital transformation? Sure. I, I mean, I think that's a very subjective reflection. You know, what does it actually mean to be behind? And I think that's a different answer for, for everyone. So uh, going back uh, to one of the previous questions, we talked about some areas that are applicable for digital transformation, you know, whether it's uh, business models or, you know, production operations, even, you know, kind of domain changes. Um, you know, it's like by uh, running unsupervised machine learning models on machines, you know, does, on the plant floor in real time, does that mean we're digitally transformed? Or, uh, you know, I, I could argue, you know, that in some cases, I, I've seen a lot of companies, um, you know, that are just absolutely stuck in pilot purgatory, trying to find this nirvana of uh, connected technology. You know, and then I've seen maybe some companies that are, are a little bit slow to move, but very strategic in how they move. So, you know, IIOT is a very different discussion than IoT. It would be nothing for, for you and I to go order a doorbell on Amazon, <laughs> connect that thing to our phone, put a few screws in, and now you're showing your friends, right? Look at my front door. You know, I, I think I more and more I hear a lot of, um, you know, industrial customers with, with you know, the, the idea that, you know, hey, we have a we have a strategy to this. We're going to go slow, but we're going to be a little bit methodical about it. We don't want an app for that strategy running our business, right? Like there's a little bit of risk mitigation that goes in with this as well, you know, that you can't have one app fail that now has global dependencies across six, seven, eight platforms. Um, so there, there's some of that as well. So, you know, are those companies left behind because they've been slow to adopt you know, or perhaps they're, you know, taking a little bit more of a classical approach, you know, writing charters for projects and, and putting, you know, kind of SME teams together, subject matter expert teams together to think about what problem are we trying to solve, you know, and, and what does investing in this technology, how does it, uh, you know, essentially integrate into our, our larger enterprise? And what, uh, you know, what are some of the, the outcomes that we'd be looking for in terms of measuring milestones before we really start to adopt this technology? So while all industries are different, in 2023, are there industry-specific examples or unique practices to be on the lookout for regarding digital transformation? In other words, do you have any tips for making the most of it? Hmm. Well, that's a great question, Teresa. So I think, you know, it's interesting to see how the last couple of years have impacted industries, and perhaps caused some opportunities to present themselves. So automated reporting, you know, just as one example, um, you know, we, we at Anderson Hauser, we've done a lot with remote services. Um, so whether that's kind of augmented reality, real wear glasses and the sorts, or uh, even services like connected help desk. So, so we've now created a bundle, for example, with our Natillion health platform that integrates with Rockwell uh, Fix. So Fix by Rockwell as a CMMS, computerized maintenance management system. So, you know, we've essentially now leveraged cloud to cloud with our partners at Rockwell using um, a variety of topologies and, and process logics, control logics platforms forms to essentially, um, you know, I guess in this case, augment some workforce, al align some operational issues with subject matter experts on, on some of our more complex devices. So, you know, overall supply chain whip demands, we've seen that in, in some uh, have been just uber impactful, not with just some customers, but with us too as, as suppliers. 
So, you know, with that, we've seen really the dynamic, almost kind of a psyche within within the industry of just a, you know, acceptance for, uh, I shouldn't say cloud first, but cloud first with a, a variety of containerized platforms, being able to deliver software that really is innovative and, and incremental in some cases to what enterprises are doing. But, you know, they've been created in a way that the ability to, del- to deliver some value independent of the hardware platforms you're running or not necessarily being reliant upon hardware that you can't get. So, you know, I think those have been some of the unique um, industry trends over the last couple of years anyway. And there's a lot of clever use of smart technologies and that help with performance and profits for companies. What advancements are you excited about? Are there specific technologies or methods that you're excited to see happening? Sure. So, I mean, we are a traditional product supplier. You know, I'd like to think we're a, you know, a, a pretty good product supplier, you know, but with, as that product supplier, I mean, we've always been focused on connecting to a variety of systems and field bus protocols. Um, we're not necessarily a, a systems manufacturer. We don't make PLCs, DCS systems and, and the like. So, you know, most of our products can talk to just about anything. In, in particular, our uh, one of the largest products at, at Anderson Hauser is our ProMass device. So ProMass is our multivariable Coriolis flow meter, um, multiple different sensor um, configurations, diameter sizes. We, we'd like to think that it's uh, has grown with industry and there's really not a, a terrible place to think about misapplying a ProMass. But, you know, specifically with that device right now, whether it be with wires or without wires, we continue to, to evolve our ability to connect and we think that's kind of a foundational piece of this emerging digital transformation sector. It's just this foundational, you know, connectivity. So you can have the best cloud, the best whatever um, connectivity, um, you know, between systems. But if you can't actually get the data there, you know, if your devices are air gapped in a classical ISA model that we might call OT, you know, that's uh, that's not very helpful, right? So we're releasing our our APL devices this year, advanced physical layer devices. So we've been doing a, a lot of testing. Testing, um, a lot of system integration, proof of concepts, um, and then bringing large customers and system suppliers, you know, together just to do interoperability. So we really see that as kind of a game changer in parallel, you know, to what this advanced physical layer uh, might be able to offer some of these devices. Um, we've added more intuitive diagnostics, um, some additional wireless capabilities. So so literally our, our ProMass platform now is able to self-diagnose. It's able to call service or create help tickets on its own, if you want to give it that. Um, Even interact with on-premise or or cloud platforms to document its performance. So just as like one example, we we again, going back to to fix by Rockwell Automation, you know, we've been able to see an APL device know that it's not a safety critical or regulated or, or fiscal type device. And reporting that through the logics architecture, we're able to essentially work with the user to create a schedule whereby that device, if it gets a permissive feedback from the control system, can actually go do its own maintenance. So imagine now that from a uh, labor workforce and, and just peace of mind point of view, you, you have a device that's able to uh, essentially perform its own maintenance and give you an ISO certificate on, on itself. So, wow. you know, that, that doesn't work for everything, but there are, you know, unique um, slices of industry that, that in some cases approach 80% where, where that is a absolutely feasible future we see with, with our ProMass device that eventually will, will find its way through our entire product portfolio. And the users must be excited about that kind of thing, too. 
So it's interesting. Is it some um, old timer, I guess, if you will, for me, or, <laughs> or kind of a purist? Some of these features, um, whether it's with Anderson Hauser or some other premier brands, some of these features have been around for a long time. But if you know, if you weren't necessarily you know the most experienced maintenance tech or a specialist, you might not been have been aware. Um, and, I, and I think that's been you know some of the. I don't know if we want to call it, compare it to different forms of technology, the the UI, UX, user interface, user experience uh, elements that have been brought into now these uh, emerging class of connected devices. So, so while some of these features and functions have been available for years, you know, now you actually have people taking care of, can, can my customer, if I put myself in their shoes, can uh, she, he, can, can they get to the information they want within a click or two? And if they can't, then we're not giving them the right information. So I think that's been an interesting dynamic with uh, some of our, our evolution here as well. So on that theme, then you mentioned Coriolis. How, how do you see Coriolis and digital transformation working to improve process automation together? Sure. Um, so, so well, Coriolis, it's it's only one technology, but it is, uh, you know, clearly an important one. You know, today I'd position Coriolis as one of those unique technologies, uh, multivariable aspects, and a, a lot of evolution in the market. It's it's really able to provide some some outcome based solutions. Um, there are other very much fit for purpose device. Um, you know, if I think about a temperature sensor, or a pressure sensor, there are some interesting diagnostics, little incremental features. But you know, if if I want to measure pressure in a, in a steam line, that's probably about the you know the extent of my specification. You know, with Coriolis, I have uh, viscosity, I have density, I have mass flow, volume flow, a variety of diagnostics. Uh, so like we, we've almost over time started to call it really a window to the process or, or it's an analyzer, you know, that also happens to measure flow really accurately, by the way. I'm thinking about all of its capabilities. And like I said, for years, some of those capabilities have been there. They, they've been refined, miniaturized, improved, you know, lots of, of effort in the um, collision of firmware and software between sensor and transmitters that have really, you know, wildly improved this technology to, to be able to do what it is today. You know, that being said, we now, you know, again, going back to that UI UX, we, we have some system builders, skid builders here. Now, really interesting, you know, to see kind of the purity, the blending, the quality or, you know, whatever the right outcome that, that some of these small system builders are leveraging what was classically a very expensive device, you know, but when, they, when they're now able to think about the concept of two engineers sitting in a room in, in Midwest USA operating quality systems, um, um, you know, delivering coatings or, or, or whatever that they're doing uh, in 30, 40 countries around the world. You know, that that's pretty cool to see that not only can they benchmark all those sites in the cloud, they can actually have a device that's documenting itself and telling them as well, you know, are the pipes building up? Are, are the teams in the local, you know, markets, are they actually doing the maintenance, the prescriptive maintenance to keep this system optimal? And now thinking about it from a process point of view, pro, products like ProMass uh, combined with our Natillion platform and, and some, you know, secondary uh, software that might be a for purpose, you know, we're, we're able to deliver those kind of experiences in, in pretty robust and industrial processes around the world, you know, for, for the right connected applications. Well, it's so exciting what's going on, especially in process automation. And I really appreciate you talking about these trends and technologies and the aspect of culture. I thank you for being here so much. I enjoyed this. This was great information, and I'm sure our listeners are going to benefit from this. 
Yeah, thank you, for, Teresa, again for the opportunity. It's a fun topic for us to talk about. You know, it's that cult, that cultural aspect, like you mentioned. You know, if a company doesn't want it to happen, it's probably not going to happen. And uh, <laughs> you know, when you can embrace that change and think about, you know, how how does this fit in our culture versus perhaps looking at other companies saying, oh, that's what we want to be. You know, you you have to adopt technology that works for you. And uh, we do it in our personal life, so I don't know why in some cases we would expect to do it differently at work. You know, if we want to have the, a follow-up conversation in the future, we, we love being on your show. And again, thank you for the, for the opportunity. And uh, until next time. I would love that. And I certainly will invite you. And thank you to our listeners. We appreciate you listening. I'm Teresa Hauk with The Journal Magazine. We'll talk again soon. If you enjoy Automation Chat, please give us a five-star rating and subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Thank you so much for listening.